Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, good morning. Welcome to all of our campuses, Frostburg, McKinney, Frisco West, all of you online, and all of us here. You're looking good today. Before I go into the the message, uh, I got a really important thing to say that, uh, you know, several times over the last year or so, maybe even more than that, I've had several people when they encounter me from other campuses, so like if you're watching in Prosper, McKinney or whatever, this week I was at a hospital and a nurse that goes to our church came up. She goes, oh my goodness, I go to your church. I'm at the McKinney campus and wow, you look like 10 or 15 pounds lighter than you do on the screen. (laughs) And I was like, really? Are you serious? Okay, so new cameras, so we need your money. Um, to get better cameras. So, so if you're in one of our campuses or watching online, take off 10 or 15, and, and that's <clears throat> what you, you're getting. You know? All right. Hey, uh, let's do something different. A- across all of our campuses, so all of you, uh, would you stand? Let's just stand, and I want you to go to about three or four people that you don't know. Tell them, hey, you look like you've lost 10 or 15 pounds. Do it right now, would you? Just tell them. Hey, if you're watching online, Colorado, Georgia, Florida, Indianapolis, wherever you are, California, we love you. Hey guys, I'm so glad that you're joining us, and uh, I hope that today's a blessing to you. I can't wait to get started. Okay, enough lying. Did you get that, enough lying? Yeah, okay, all right. Hey, last week of a series that we've called Fabric of Faith, and this is an Old Testament character by the name of Joseph. Um, Abraham's ancestry, so uh, really, really good story uh, about Joseph, and and anytime we look at a character in the Bible, we're not really looking to try to be like them, we're really trying to look to be like Jesus. How, how How does the Old Testament, how does anybody point us to Jesus, and in this particular message, there's gonna be a ton that, that points us to Jesus over the last few weeks. Uh, we've talked about our outline is really in, in, a, in a general sense. Week one was uh, bad things happen to dumb people. We all know that. Week two, we all know that bad things happen to good people. Uh, last week, we talked about the theology of work and, and the importance of, of God in our work and, and us coming to the table as well. Today, I want to talk about the beauty of forgiveness. Um, this very well may be the most important message of the series not because I'm giving it, but because of the subject matter. Um, forgiveness is one of those subjects that for some of us, not a big deal, because we're relationally healthy in, in, in right now in this season, but there's been times perhaps for all of us where forgiveness has been a, a real challenge for us. Someone has wronged us, someone has wronged somebody that we love, um, and, and it's messy and it's complicated, and anytime somebody teaches about it, because the scripture, as we most of you know, if, you're, if you follow the Lord at all, you know that the scripture is very clear on this subject about forgiveness. Now, but it's one thing to be clear about it in our minds, and then it's another when we go through really challenging relational difficulty, or even personal difficulty, or even spiritual difficulty, to incorporate forgiveness as a part of a way of life. Very difficult. Um, I can only imagine some of us, even right now, whether you're watching online or at a campus or here, 
how you may be going or walking through a season where you are finding it very challenging, very difficult. You would say almost impossible for me to forgive them. John, you don't understand. God, you don't understand. The level, the depth of the pain that they have caused me and caused our family. And, and I want you to know that from the outset, I don't, I don't approach this subject as, hey, let me be your teacher because I've accomplished all this and I've, I've mastered the art of forgiveness, but I come to you as a fellow learner on the road or the journey to understanding how the Lord would have us live. And I'm hoping by the end of this, there, there won't be a cloud of guilt over us because we're challenged with this. Hey, we're human, guys, we're human, and we're going to feel things, and it's going to take some time for us to walk through this journey. There's no question about it. But, but I also want to present the, the clarity of Scripture. And in this story of Joseph, there is clarity. And, and, and it points us to Jesus. So what I'd like to do, here's where we're going today. I would like to review some of the, the passages that we've looked at all four weeks as it relates to the very end of this story of Joseph. There's, there's kind of like a beginning, a middle, and an end. We're going to walk through just a little bit of the scripture of all of it that brings us to the end. And then when we get to the end, I want to give you four thoughts that I see in the story of Joseph and how that points us to Jesus. Okay, so that's where we're going today. Let's start with Genesis chapter 37. Let's start with verse 2. This is the account of Jacob. So, um, Jacob and his family. Jacob is Joseph's dad. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. So this is the beginning of Joseph's story. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah, right? Bilhah and Zilpah. Uh, a different culture, different time. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Okay, so now we know that he's a young punk, Okay. This is where we get dumb things, you know, good things happen or bad things happen to dumb people. He was not smart. He was unwise in some of the things that, that Joseph carried because jo Joseph, or Jacob loved him more than he loved any of the other children. And his brothers didn't like that because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. And so one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. There's been Broadway productions made of this robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. So, so this is, a, again, the beginning of Joseph's story. He's the favorite. He's kind of a punk. He's a tattletale. And he's spoiled. And the brothers that are around him are just, I mean, as you know, if you have brothers or sisters, you can know sometimes they just, oh, my goodness, they get on your nerves. Well, this is a little deeper than that. Let's read on. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, so Joseph's brothers, the 12 of them, were out uh, like for travel and, and doing uh, the field stuff with, with their livestock. So Joseph comes, and they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. That's how deep their hatred was for him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. I forgot to mention that Joseph had some dreams while he was sleeping and he dreamed that his family would worship him or come to him and bow down and, and uh, then he actually told them another dumb thing. 
that some of us, you know, can learn from. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Judah said to his brothers, well, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites who, were Midi, uh, uh, Ishmaelites who were Midianite traders came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. So that's the end of the first part of Joseph's story. Now, let me fast forward just by telling you a little bit of the story. So when he is sold to these traders, they take him to Egypt. When he gets to Egypt, the head of the palace guard, his name is Potiphar, buys Joseph, and he worked, Joseph works in his house, and he is very well loved. He is a smart young man, but unfortunately, he's a, a little good looking. So Potiphar's wife takes a liking to him, and enough of that story, because she falsely accuses him of doing stuff. So Potiphar comes home, and she tells him, something that was not true, and he gets angry, and he throws Joseph in prison. So Joseph is now not only sold into slave trading, but now he is in prison for doing the right thing. And some of us feel that way in our lives. Some of us feel like we're in prison because we're doing the right thing. And it's like they're getting off scot-free. The people who have wounded or hurt or challenged you, they are getting off scot-free. They're going, doing whatever they want to do, and my life is ruined. You ever been there? Joseph is there. He is in prison, but in prison, he is well-loved. The warden makes him second in command to all the prisoners. He's a prisoner himself, but he makes him second in command to all the prisoners. Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker were thrown into prison for whatever reason, and Joseph becomes friends with them, and they have some dreams. He interprets their dreams, and they go back to Pharaoh, and the cupbearer is supposed to remember Joseph and his plight. He was innocent, but he's now thrown in prison. But the cupbearer, when he's restored to his position, forgets all about Joseph. Joseph stays in prison, and we're talking years. We're not talking a few months or a few days, and then it's all okay. It all kind of worked out, no big deal. He's in prison for years. And some of us feel like we've been in prison for years. Pharaoh has some dreams, and no one can interpret or tell him what it meant or what they meant. So the cupbearer remembers, oh, there's a guy in prison who can tell or, you know, explain dreams. So they call Joseph, and Joseph explains the dreams, and Pharaoh is excited, and then Pharaoh makes him second in command. Potiphar's house, he's ruling the house. Prison, he's ruling the prison. The palace, the country, Joseph's ruling the country. Incredible story, but it doesn't stop there. The dreams that Pharaoh had that Joseph interpreted were seven years of harvest and blessing, seven years of famine. So in that seven years, Joseph was in charge of storing up extra so that when the seven years of famine came, they would have enough food. He was an incredible administrator, very bright, very smart. 
And so that's exactly what happened. And in those seven years of famine, his family, who is now in, so Egypt is here, Israel's up here, or if you're looking this way, Egypt is here, and, and Israel's up here. So they come traveling down to Egypt to buy the food that has been stored for the seven years. That's when Joseph recognizes his brothers. He doesn't tell them immediately. He plays a game with them, and they're, you know, wondering what in the world is going on, and they're, they're going back and forth to, to Israel, to their home, bringing back their young son, bringing back their dad. And anyway, long story short, Joseph tells his brothers who he is. Then they're fearful. Then he tells them, hey, I love you. Hey, don't be afraid. Go get dad, and let's all live here in Egypt because the, the land is plentiful and we have enough food. So they all move. The whole family moves. Jacob and his family move to the land of Egypt, Goshen to be specific, and then Jacob passes away the dad. Now, that's where the next story, the last part of Joseph's story begins. Genesis chapter 50. After burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. So they sent this message to Joseph. Now, we don't know if this, Joseph, if this message was bogus. We don't know if they were like, oh, let's make up something because he's going to kill us. Or if this was a reality that, that Jacob, the father of all of them, said, hey, tell Joseph not to hurt you, okay? We don't know. Well, let's just give him the benefit of the doubt that maybe it was true. Before your father died, he instructed us to tell you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So, so we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No doubt, or no, uh, no, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. And Joseph makes good on what he said. Incredible story of dumb things that some of us do innocent things that happen or that, that we go through and that yet we're punished for some of those things. Uh, some of us have walked through some of the, the trials of Joseph just like him. There's not, not to the extent, perhaps, I hope, but we've walked through some relational difficulty. And, and, and in these circumstances, Joseph had relational difficulty with his brothers. That was his fault. With Potiphar's household, with Potiphar, that wasn't his fault. There, there were some just some things that would go on, and, and now, now that he has a chance to get back at his brothers, what would he do? And that's where we get some, in this story, all these stories, this, the last part of the story, that's where I get some thoughts about the command of forgiveness. Again, understand that I know that some of this is very hard if you're walking through something. But I want to challenge you to try to open your heart, even in the middle of your mess or your challenge or your pain, to, to hear 
not from me, but to hear from his word, God's word and the Holy Spirit, then makes it come alive to us in our hearts. And, and then that's, let me just tell you, that's where healing begins. If you can move past me and if you can move past your circumstances and get to what God wants to say, there's healing there. These thoughts, I think, are powerful, and I think they're really helpful. Number one, the need to ask for forgiveness. Now, this is, again, easier said than done if some of you um, have a real struggle with this. I do. It's hard for me. I don't know why, but it is hard to ask for forgiveness. Genesis chapter 50, his brothers before Joseph they say, so we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt in that they were sincere. We beg you to forgive us for what we did to you. The, the need, I think, and, and, and actually a few weeks ago when I'm reading this story, I thought maybe this weekend this would be the only point I would make. Because many times when we talk about forgiveness, we talk about extending it. In other words, we need to forgive. And a lot of times in this story or in the, the story of forgiveness, we don't talk about the need to ask for it. And I think it's important that his brothers, and it isn't the only time they came to him and said, oh my goodness, we're so sorry. But this time they said, would you forgive me? I, I think that sometimes when we try to reconcile with people, we like to say, I'm sorry, and what we really mean is, I'm sorry you're so sensitive. Right? I am sorry you're so weak. I'm sorry you're so shallow. I'm sorry that you misinterpreted or misunderstood. I'm sorry that you're so weird. You know, whatever. But let me just tell you, there's a huge difference between I'm sorry and I ask you to forgive me. Sometimes we're sincere when I say I'm sorry. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. But a lot of times when we say that, we're not owning anything, right? We're not saying, um, oh, man, I have wronged you. Or what I have done or said, I didn't intentionally do it, but I know that I've wronged you and, I, and I've hurt you and I'm so sorry. I ask you to forgive me. There's that extra part of this. And I think, guys, listen to me, many of us, need to do some homework. And, and, and going through the, the relational index of our hearts and minds, and, and maybe there's some people in our lives that we need to talk to. Maybe they're sitting right beside us. That we need to ask for forgiveness. Matthew chapter five, verse 23. So if you are presenting a sacrifice, this is Jesus, at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, so in other words, you've wounded somebody, you have done something, or at least they think you have, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, leave church, leave worship and go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. You see, there's this part of, 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 the, of the, the, the overall story of forgiveness in that you ask, we, we ask for it. Early part of our church, um, I was in our first building, 2005, six, seven, somewhere in there. I was in the auditorium, had a little worship CD going, and I was just walking around the room praying. And I opened the word, and I came to this path, Matthew uh, 5. This is the Sermon on the Mount, by the way. And 
Jesus, you know, says, hey, listen, you know, if you know somebody has something against you, you know you've wronged somebody, and it's kind of still out there, hey, hey, why don't you stop what you're doing and just go make it right? Now, you can't control what they respond with or what they say, but at least you know that you've tried to make it right. There was a relationship that I had from years past with a, another pastor uh, that I worked for, and it was a challenging one. It was, the, it was the hard, one of the hardest two years of my life. And you know how sometimes when you look at a certain scenario, you feel like they're 99% wrong, and you're maybe 1% wrong? Okay, so that's the way I feel, but I'll, I'll, I'll give it more. I'll say they were 80% wrong, and I was 20% wrong, right, okay? But I knew, listen, here's the point. I knew that they had something against me. And in my mind, I never really thought about this passage. I just thought, that's their deal. I, I mean, I didn't do any. I mean, this is ridiculous. And many of us do that. But it was in the, in the moment of worship, in the moment of just a quiet time with the Lord, that he says, you need to write a letter. And so I wrote a letter to him. And a, a week or so later, I got a call. I remember where I was. I was living on our house on Knoxville Lane, our first house that we bought here in Frisco. And I remember when he called and he was bawling. He was crying, an older man. And he said, John, I got your letter. And he says, you have no idea what it meant to me. And he says, I am the one who needs to ask you to forgive me. He died not too long after that. I can't tell you, now listen, let me just say that that's one of the times, how many know that you like to tell the good times and you have a hundred bad things that you've done and not done, but that's the one good thing, so I'm not trying to make myself look good. I'm just saying that I, I wish I wouldn't have let years go by without at least trying to make that right. I'm so glad that I did. And many of us, we have wronged some people, maybe not intentionally, and maybe you do have that I'm sorry you're so sensitive kind of thought. Like, I'm sorry you're ridiculous, that you're dysfunctional. But what, what if you, <clears throat> I didn't know how they would respond, and it didn't matter how he responded. I just knew I had to do what I had to do. Make sense what I'm saying? Guys, and the reason I'm, 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 I won't go long on every point, I promise, but this one, I just felt overwhelmingly strong that many of us need to ask someone to forgive us. And uh, it takes three things. Well, it takes more than that probably, but it takes humility, intentionality, and accountability. Just humble ourselves. I don't like to do that. <clears throat> Especially when you don't think you're really all that wrong. But how many know that there's one side of the story, there's another side of the story, and then there's the real story. So there's humility involved. There's intentionality that, hey, I'm gonna be intentional about this. And some of us need to do something. We need to write that letter, send that text or, or email or even make that call or make that meeting. And then we need accountability. We just need to say, hey, I've done this and I need, I need somebody to help me figure this out. How do I approach, because I know this is all complicated. How do I then approach this? Okay, second thought. You ready? Second thought is the need to recognize our limitations. <clears throat> the need to recognize our limitations. Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God 
that I can punish you? Now, I understand we're human, and I understand that we can punish people, or we can make it very difficult for them. We can withhold forgiveness for control's sake. And when we do, listen, we put ourselves in the place of God. Let me repeat that. When we withhold forgiveness, now I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that forgiveness is, oh, it's a one-time thing and I feel better now and it's all good. No, there may be a healing. <clears throat> I was riding my motorcycle this March in the hill country with a few buddies and um, beautiful day. I mean, beautiful. I was just in a long sleeve shirt, my gloves, and uh, it was probably 70, 72, whatever, and it's just beautiful weather. Sun was out, but not hot. You know, you know, it was just beautiful. Well, at the end of that day, between my glove and where my sleeve rolled up or went up, I had a sunburn that was beyond like anything I've ever had. It just in one little location. My, whereas where my glove went up this way and my shirt went back that way. And I had sprayed my arm. I'd sprayed everywhere with sun, uh, uh, sunscreen. But that one little area, it, it got, it blistered up. Then it got uh, all, I'm okay, I'm not going to gross you out, but it was just weird. So I went to the, the doctor. I went to the community med thing and for allergies, actually. And then, I, and then I said, she said, anything else? And I said, oh, you know, I've got this. I think it's infected. She goes, oh, you think? <clears throat> it was all weird. And she gave me, prescribed me some antibiotic cream, and uh, it didn't really change. And it stayed there for a while. And so just a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, I went to the dermatologist for my annual thing, and, and she said, anything else? And, and I said, oh, yeah, I've got this. She goes, oh, what in the world? And I said, well, I got a sunburn here, and, and then it got infected, blistered and got infected, and I had some antibiotic cream. She goes, okay, well, you're going to need something stronger than that. Here's my point. I understand that, that forgiveness is a journey. And there's going to be things that you may need to add to the journey. A counselor, a good friend that will help you understand that what Romans chapter 12 says is really true. And let's look at what Paul says about this whole thing. Never pay back evil with more evil. See, what we want to do is control them, and what we want to do is make them pay. And what Joseph says in his wisdom, and he says, hey, am I God that I can punish you? Maybe he should have said, it. am I God that I should punish you? I'm not God. I'm going to let him take care of you. And then Paul says it like this, and Jesus says it like this as well. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all, uh, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never, listen, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. In other words, we trust God to take care of the situation that was uncalled for, that was wrong. And for the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will repay them back, says the Lord. I will pay them back. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. You've got to understand our limitations and understand, and just kind of under your breath, say it with me. I'm not God. Say it with me. I'm not God. And many times we want to take that into 
consider, we just want to take that control and say, yeah, I'm going to punish you. You're going to pay for, and these words have come out of our mouth, you're going to pay for this. I will never, ever forget this. And then of course you're not. You're, you won't. Because we're human. We're not going to forget somebody who wronged us. But the point is, when you say that, what you're doing is you're being God. You're trying to play God. And I know that none of us probably would say it like that, but that's exactly what we're doing. And you got to, we have to recognize our limitations. Let God take care of someone who is dysfunctional. Let God take, someone, take care of someone who has wronged you. You and I, and guys, everybody look at me. This is more for you than for them. You, this is more for us. Some of us keep ourselves in prison, the prison of bitterness, of revenge, of, of just, it eats away at us. And, and it affects every relationship we have because we're trying to play God. And when you try to play God, you will lose every time. We will lose every time. Third thing, third thing is the need for perspective. I love this one. Here's what Joseph says. Uh, chapter 50, uh, yeah, chapter 50. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to, so there's a tremendous amount of perspective. Now, I know this is the hardest thing to do in the middle of a pain or in the middle of a wrong when somebody's wronged you to zoom out to see the bigger picture because we want to stay in the mess. We want to stay in the middle. And we want, again, we want to take control. We want to punish. We want to take revenge. But Joseph says, you meant it for evil, but God, I'm not saying God caused all this, but I'm saying that God used it for good. God brought me to this position. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. And guys, I went through craziness because of you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is a guy that could really talk to them and, 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 and really let them know. Still forgive them, but still let them know. I went through crazy things for you, or because of you. But a perspective that is larger than the now, a perspective, so in the moment, in the middle, or in the mess, we want to stay there, and we want to just blame, and we want to say, "How I cannot believe you!" And I know some of this is just normal human things. Zoom out. Many of you are thinking of ex-husbands or ex-wives right now. You're thinking of parents or children, brothers or sisters, friends, former churches, pastors, priests. There's, 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 uh, I, this is complicated. This isn't easy. This isn't easy, but, but when we can just say with perspective, and I know it's hard in the middle, but if we can just say in perspective, like, okay, okay, all right, all right, all right. God has a plan. God's bigger than this, and he's gonna, he's gonna heal me. And everybody look at me. He will not heal you if you continue to stay in control. You will not be healed if you harbor or if you withhold forgiveness and if you just say, I'm not forgiving. I don't care what God says. I don't care what scripture says. You, this, this is an injustice. I will not forgive this. Well, you will stay in hell. 
I'm not talking about literal hell. I'm talking about the hell of life. Revenge, bitterness, anger, spite is a prison. And it affects every relationship you have. Walls come up. Words come out. Emotions on the sleeve. All of that, everybody look at me, all of that is a sign that we've withheld. That we're holding on to. And I'm just saying, easier said than done, I know it. I'm saying we gotta learn somehow, some way to let it go. And, uh, and zoom out a little bit and just say, God, they meant it for evil. They meant it to hurt me. But God, somehow, some way, you're gonna use this. And when I'm teaching a small group in re- regeneration and all the pain that I went through, but now I'm helping somebody else deal with the pain that they're going through, you can zoom out and see the bigger picture. I'm not saying God caused the pain. I'm not saying God caused the, the difficulty or the tragedy or the, or the whatever it is that we go through. I'm just saying God can, there is a bigger picture. What you meant for evil, God turned around and made it for good and I was able to save the lives of many. That's perspective. Last one. Number four, the need to forgive. Okay, so this is a no-brainer. You know, we could just move on now and say, okay, because I've, I've talked about this the whole time, but the need to forgive when they came to him and said, we beg you. And Joseph even wept, just like, what you, guys, all of this time now, you, I've been nice to you and I've treated you kind. You think I'm now gonna take revenge because dad's dead? Here's what he says, chapter 50, verse 21. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Let me end by this, and I'm gonna move quickly. But I, can't, I cannot skip this because this points us to the difficult, challenging teaching of Jesus. Here's what Jesus says about forgiveness, Matthew chapter 18. Very difficult. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how many or how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared. So now we're talking about forgiveness. This is the question. Here's the answer. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. Please listen. Don't, don't get distracted. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in, in who owed him millions of dollars. Today, that's a lot of money still. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and released him, forgave his debt, millions. But when this same man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. How many of us read scripture and we go, wow, what a... Right? Some of us read and we go, how dumb they were. This is ridiculous. 
I want you to see yourself and myself in this story. Grabbed him by the throat, demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it. I I promise I'm going to pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the servants, the other servants, who were in the meeting with the first guy, saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in that man he had forgiven and said, you, you little whippersnapper. That's in the Greek for servant. I forgave you a tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid the entire debt. Now this is the hard part. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. What is that? What could this possibly mean? This is a very difficult lesson. Here's what I think it means. I think it means that when you and I decide that we're gonna refuse to ask anybody to forgive us, I'm too prideful. I'm not going to do that. John, you don't know how I'm wired. I'm just, I was raised in the country. Okay. When we don't understand our limitations and we play God, or when we refuse to see a bigger picture, or when we refuse to forgive someone who has wronged us after, after having been forgiven so very much, here's what happens. The pain, the pain of living in bitterness and revenge and the lack of forgiveness and spite and jealousy and anger and all of that world comes back on us. All of that hell, that all those things, spite, revenge, all those things that, cre- that create that, it's put back on us. And it affects every relationship going forward. That's why, and please don't take this as a condemnation. I'm just saying many of us have been married multiple times. And one of the reasons is we haven't dealt with some of the things in our lives. Relationally. We've held on. We've wanted control. We have not released forgiveness. We have played God. And what happens when we refuse to, and I know this is hard, but when we refuse to forgive, all of that cycle of dysfunction, cycle of pain, cycle of prison comes back on us. And many of us need to do two things. Here's your homework. Is there anyone from whom we need to ask forgiveness? Do not wait. Is there anyone in your life that you need to call, email, schedule a meeting, and ask them to for not, I'm sorry you were sensitive. I'm sorry you got hurt. I am asking you to forgive me. Maybe it's a child, one of your kids. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's whoever. 
The second is a no-brainer, and is, is there anyone you need to forgive? Now, this is tricky when they haven't done number one, right? When, when somebody has done something to you, and they could care less. They don't give a rip. They've gone on with their lives. And it seems like they're just happy and healthy. They're just partying it up, and you're over here in your pool of tears. Just remember to zoom out a little bit. And remember, when you don't release, and I'm just saying, when you don't release that forgiveness, and I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not saying it's not complicated, it's very messy. And I am not saying that in forgiveness you have to restore a relationship 100% and it's all back to normal. No, 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 no. That's not what I mean by, that's not what the scripture means by forgiveness. That doesn't have to happen that way. But I can tell you this. This right here, the reason it is so clear in scripture is because it's for us. God is for us. He is for you. And he doesn't want us to live in misery. He doesn't want us to live in bitterness. He doesn't want us to live. And sometimes this person is you. Sometimes this person, you, me, we are the person we need to forgive. Because we, we hold ourselves in bondage. We hold ourselves, we just can't forgive. We can forgive others, but we have a hard time forgiving ourselves. Whoever this is, whoever these are, hey, guys, don't let another day, listen, don't let one more day be robbed of you by withholding forgiveness or not asking to forgive. Lord, um, this, is the, this is the time in which your word is powerful, is sharp, cutting, it exposes us. And there's some, there's some of us in here that are exposed, and they're not in a bad way, this is all for our good. You said in Romans 8, all things work together for good to those who are in Christ Jesus. So, so when something bad, we can have the perspective. We don't take control. We ask for forgiveness quickly and we release forgiveness quickly. And in so doing, we, we, it's almost like we bless ourselves. And then we also bless others. So Lord, maybe there's people in the room, there's people at McKinney or Prosper or Frisco West or online that need to ask you for forgiveness. There's some things that, that we need to get right with you and, and get on the right track and to maybe kneel our knee for the first time before you and surrender our lives. May this day be the day that we choose forgiveness in whatever way we need to. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.